0: Yo, what up, peeps? We in the building today. Everything all at once. Welcome to the show. We're down here in the studio with our future co-host. She's gonna be on a lot of shows with me. She's my paramour, C. Linda.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: Her name's not real. Really, C. Linda. It's C. Lion.
1: It is. That's correct. That's my legal name on my birth certificate. It's so true. She's my she, Christian name.
0: She tells people her name is Selinda, but that's just to avoid any questions about right. the name Sea Lion. Right. And uh, she's here today in the studio getting wild with us. <laughs> we're cracking open cold ones with the boys, and uh, it's going great. We're, we're going to have a good time. And Selinda. Yes. Are, can you tell the people our loyal following, interplanetary, international, across the world, everybody that's listening through the powers of the internet today, what it is that you hope to bring to the show and what your interests are and uh, a little bit about why you're here.
1: Well, um, I hope to be somebody who will make some regular appearances on the show in regards to current events. Um, That's kind of my personal passion. I'm very much into uh, political things, current events, but I also um, really enjoy history a lot. I like to explore current events in the context of history. So um, I think that understanding like how we got to where we are and how uh, and Things that are going on today uh, can really help people understand, you know, why things are happening the way that they are, Um, because that's not something that's really ever explained to us now. But I I feel very passionate about a lot of things that I think don't get a lot of attention, and I just hope to, you know, get the opportunity to shed some light on topics such as these.
0: Such as these, indeed. And... We've talked a little bit about your your passion for politics and wanting to be, you know, a writer, a political commentator, things like that. And uh, we're trying to just make all the dreams come true here on Everything at Once. That's why we are Everything at Once. And what what got you interested in these in in politics and current events and the news and the happenings of the world?
1: Uh, well, it truly started in my teenage years um honestly Jon Stewart from The Daily Show really inspired that passion in me um you know just as a teenager watching Comedy Central at night you know mostly watching like South Park and Reno 911 and stuff but The Daily Show would always come on at the end of the night and uh it just kind of turned into something that like oh I have to watch this every night because he was somebody that was providing uh you know, he was funny in the current events and things that might seem pretty horrible, but providing a counter-narrative to the things that were happening in the world and kind of, like, standing up against things that are wrong, but you're not going to see anybody in the mainstream media, um, you know, insulting the people that deserve to be insulted. And he wasn't somebody that shied away from either side of the political spectrum. If he thought something was wrong on the left or the right, he would be brave enough to make fun of those people and punch up and just uh, fight for the people at the bottom, which he's continued to do even after retiring from The Daily Show, you know. Um, But that really kind of just started my journey into finding people that... We're providing a counter-narrative who were not just out there spouting what MSNBC and CNN and Fox News were just, like, repeating over and over again. There are a lot of really good people out there actually getting to the bottom of these issues that we have, and I just kind of fell in love with it. Um, And It can be very distressing at times, but... I just feel like somebody needs to be out there listening and learning about this stuff or nothing is ever going to change, you know. And I'm just um, that person. The universe has bestowed this gift upon me. That's
0: right. And we're bringing that gift to life here today. And uh, Jon Stewart's definitely was a big influence of mine early on. And uh, who are some of your the people that you look up to or think have, like, good... Opinions on things or are able to share like an unbiased story today
1: um, Well, as you know, I mean, I really enjoy the work of Abby Martin quite a bit um, She focuses a lot on foreign policy and Empire um, Mike Prisner, who is her husband also Does a lot of journalism concerning like the military-industrial complex. He himself is a veteran of the Iraq war Um, another journalist that I really enjoy, his name is Max Blumenthal. He has his own media outlet called The Grey Zone. Um, Aaron Maté and then a professor who I really enjoy, um, as far as economics go, his name is Richard Wolff. And all of these people have their own kind of viewer funded platforms because they're not going to be people that are invited on mainstream media, But they are all people who have dedicated their lives um, in uncovering the truth and, like, trying to get that out there to people as much as they can because they're passionate about it and they think it's the right thing to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And thank God for a lot of those people out there who are able to share that unbiased opinion instead of following that big uh, narrative that we all see and a lot of people fall into and... uh, perpetuate on social media and in bigger outlets and right now you know we we want to be able to communicate with other people as a show as a as a group of production team members Um, we want to be able to share and talk with you guys about what's really going on and uh, provide a little bit of a, a different narrative than what you see on TV or on Facebook and uh hopefully foster like a stronger sense of community instead of this division that we see out um in the world and uh you know that's really one of our goals here for sure you know foster that community we, I've been hi- harping on this like the whole time since we've been started or been doing this intro series or whatever we you want to call it and uh it's a it's a big deal to uh to us as a as a production team to go on and to share those kinds of things i also want to point out that like none of us here are really professionals right
1: no no we're not professionals this is just something i've spent a lot of my personal time on and something that i don't know a lot about which i hope to Uh, have motivation to explore more being here is, uh, you know, my focus has always been on like national politics and foreign policy and things on like a large scale. Um, I think it would be very useful to dive deeper into like local and state politics because those are things that people like me and you and probably most people that are going to listen to this podcast can actually like do something to affect. It can feel very hopeless with large-scale issues on a national level because you're like, well, what could I possibly do about that? But um, issues that are in our city, in our county, in our state, like as residents of this area, we have a lot more power and influence than we give ourselves credit for, but we're just not aware.
0: Right. Have you seen anything recently about these Pothole Warriors? I don't know if that's really what what they're going by, but these the Do you know what I'm talking I about when I say a, that?
1: I heard a little bit about it. Yeah,
0: like these random people that are just going out and fixing potholes and saying, you know, screw this state or anybody else right. who's trying to actually to like fix all these things. We're just going to be in our neighborhood and we're going to fix these potholes. We're all going to throw in some money and buy the asphalt or whatever and fix these potholes that are a blight on our on our on our right. in our area
1: good for them i support them i feel like there has been some pushback from i don't know about in our area because i feel like it's been happening in other areas and other states right. where i've seen it happening um and then they're getting pushback from the state and like telling these people not to do this yeah which right? i think is hilarious because like they're saving you money like not that you were going to spend the money to fix it anyways but uh, they're actually saving the state money by fixing it themselves because the state is useless and not going to do anything, and it's a hazard, it's a right. hazard to people, it's a hazard to cars. Like, I it's just super funny to me that the state is like, No, you're doing a bad
0: thing, right? It, it reminds me a lot of uh, the Parks and Recreation episode where Ron Swanson takes like calls to help people or something like that and he just goes out and fixes this random lady's pothole that's in her driveway that she's been complaining about and uh, these people are on the grassroots level like we like we were just discussing you know doing something positive and good for the community we're probably not going to be fixing any potholes here on everything (laughs) at once at least we don't have any plans to at this stage of our uh of our of our production uh but maybe someday we'll go out and fix potholes or right. be able to do I mean, something influential
1: support for it right may
0: <laughs> help get our team out there to to benefit us and our uh, to benefit our neighborhoods in some small way and uh it's really funny that the state's like no you can't do this like they're probably like saying all sorts of stuff about like permits i can right. i can just imagine oh, yeah, like definitely. oh you're, you're not licensed to fix these potholes like how dare you come out here and do this and
1: Uh, it's, I feel like it's the same with a lot of issues though. I've seen a lot of stuff over the past few years about people that are getting in legal trouble for like going out and feeding the homeless in their city. Right. And just like with their own time, their own money and their own food. And they're just going out to homeless people and like giving them meals in the state. Like, and these people are getting like arrested and fined for doing this crazy. And it's just, like, but you as, like, the state are not doing anything. Right. So why can't these people help?
0: It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. How locked we are into, like, red tape and bureaucracy and all these things that uh, are just holding people back from being able to do something good on their own. And... Uh, Right now, there aren't any, I don't think we have any censors or FBI agents watching us at this moment.
1: I'm sure we will.
0: But we will. We <laughs> plan to get to that point where yeah, the FBI and the state have to watch what we have to say because what we're going to say is going to make big positive changes right. in our community and in the world, interplanetary, international, right. all of that stuff. And maybe it starts with us putting together a pothole team.
1: Yeah, it could. Maybe I mean, this it, is a route uh, we need to go on. Revolutions always start small, you know. They don't just turn into something crazy overnight. They right. start with a few people getting together and saying this is wrong and we should do something about
0: it. Right, and that's what that's what we want to do in our own way. Yeah. By right. sharing these thoughts and these these different things with the with the people. Right. And uh maybe fix a pothole or two.
1: Maybe. I mean, just personally, I think it's just really important for people to be armed with knowledge. Like, coming just from my own perspective, I feel like it is very, very important for people to just be aware of what's happening in their community. Um, And I know for me, like, I feel like my my knowledge is, is very much lacking in there, and I think that I would be able to do a lot more good if I put the time and effort forward to find more out about what is actually going on in our community and if i can bring that knowledge to other people i'm sure that there are other people out there who would want to do something to help change the things that are wrong they just they don't know what they are
0: right it's all a work in process yeah and uh do you think that we're going to be hurting the government in some way by fixing these problems i hope so i hope so too (laughs) we're going to mess up their budgets and stuff. Like there's all these big CEOs and corporate man or like, well, maybe not CEOs, but like bureaucrats that manage budgets and control the finances mm-hmm. and stuff. And now they're not going to be able to apply for as much money because we're going to be out here fixing potholes. Right. Yeah. Or sharing knowledge with the people. I don't know why I'm stuck on these potholes things. I'm sorry, but we'll I think that's a great a story. we way to waste the money. You're right. It'll be fine. And, uh, If they don't hit those quotas and don't spend that money, it'll just be on something else that we probably don't need. They'll, like, repave 38th Street for the fifth time in two or three years, and everybody will be real mad about it.
1: Well, didn't they just, like, a couple years ago, PennDOT had, like, millions of dollars missing out of their budget? I remember hearing about that. It, it could have happened. I, think I wouldn't it was be like surprised. Four million dollars was like supposed to be there, and it wasn't there. And it was just like, who knows what happened to it? I didn't follow up on the story to be it's honest gone. with you. I just remember seeing that there was like a four million dollar deficit in yeah. PennDOT's budget. It's like you barely do anything. Where did and, that money go?
0: <laughs> and a lot of these, a lot of these like contracts for like roads and stuff like that go out to. Different private companies, right. and I and I'm I've got to believe that a lot of them are associated with the different politicians that oh, are yeah, in power. For sure. My buddy that I was talking to earlier today was he lives out near uh, Harrisburg and stuff like that, and he was talking about Tom Wolf and his family businesses that were able to stay open during COVID because he was able to sign the right papers to make mm-hmm. to deem them essential businesses, and right. when all of these other right. businesses were unable to like stay open, right. And I think pointing out those t- that type of hypocrisy and that type of, like, corruption is just really important and totally underreported, especially on a state and, like, local level. Right,
1: definitely. I mean, holding, holding people in power to account is the only thing that is going to, like, hold corruption at bay at all. You right. know what I mean? Like, it's already, like, so deeply entrenched in our system. I don't know you know how much we how much we can do realistically but like the first step in doing that is making people aware of it right you know, like if nobody's even aware that it's happening like definitely nobody's gonna be held accountable right. for their actions Because I
0: didn't hear any of this stuff about Tom Wolfe until I
1: didn't either today mm-hmm. didn't when know. I'm just
0: t- chatting with one of my buddies who lives over near there right and I guess like in that area it was like a really big deal for a while and people were getting real pissed and I'm protesting sure. and being real angry about it, which makes sense. I would be, too. Like, if my family had, like, a... I guess the one was a was a furniture business. If my furniture business wasn't able to open, but Tom Wolfe's, like, cousins or brothers or family's furniture business is able to open as an essential right. business, you better believe I'm going to be real upset about that.
1: Right. But, you know, in this world, it's all about who you know and who you blow, right?
0: Oh, dude, for sure. You know, you got to have those connections. Right. Got to have those connections. But... On the other hand, I do appreciate Tom Wolf trying to give us another $2,000.
1: Right. I mean, he's not all bad, um, but he's still he's a politician. Yep. Of course, he's going to use his power to try and help the people in his family. Right. You know, and that's where holding them accountable becomes very important. Right. And making people aware of their actions becomes very important because he clearly only did that because he knew that he could get away with it right so yeah that i feel that kind of thing falls on us as citizens to pay attention to
0: i feel like this new rebate check that they're kicking around the idea of in the state of pennsylvania with the excess covid funds is really just like a uh marie antoinette let them eat cake type situation
1: i feel like yeah i mean i feel like that's how all the stimulus um, money to like regular people kind of is and i also i did a little bit of reading up about that earlier because he actually proposed this back in february for the first time of this to, year yeah okay. to give these two thousand dollar checks out and the pennsylvania state legislature is overwhelmingly republican so obviously the, there's some resistance. There, it didn't pass. They were like, absolutely not. There's no way that we're doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't
0: let them eat cake if we're Republicans and he's a Democrat, and he, right. the Democrats can't be seen to be giving the people cake.
1: And so Tom Wolf apparently came out with a statement in like June, I think it was, because um, he had been uh, like touring around the state, just like talking to families and you know, shaking hands and kissing babies like they do. And he said that, you know, all these people of the state had told him, like, how much it would mean to them to get this money, which obviously that's true, you know. Like, to, an extra $2,000 for most people would be a big difference. Maybe not long-term, but, like, people We well, could get some
0: cool stuff with that $2,000 around here.
1: People are struggling paycheck to paycheck. Most people are, especially people that have children and have families to take care of. They are legitimately struggling week to week, day to day, and $2,000 would mean a lot to them. Um, So that's why he's trying to push it again in the legislature. I don't think that there's a lot of hope for it to pass oh i
0: got the i got the hope here i, I want that <laughs> that's, two, okay two well grand. that's
1: why we're on this together yeah that's you, why we're on this together you need to be the hopeful to, one i'm gonna be the realistic and now that people
0: that know about this that listen to this podcast know about that two thousand dollars that wolf right. wants to give us he he'll have to take recognition right well and and heed our voice
1: it's If people, if more people knew about this and contacted their representatives, um, then that would be something that could make a difference. You
0: just, you just sounded really old right there. Like you're going to write a letter to our, to our governor.
1: Not to the governor. The governor already wants it. It's the Republican representatives who need to be convinced. So send
0: it to your state Congress and state Senate person.
1: Right. And you're like, or you're not your county representative, but we all have like a representative um, of your area that is like your, uh, your House representative and then your Congress person. You have, there's two mm-hmm. for your area. So
0: send them a letter. Tell them them we need this. Send them an
1: email. Call their office and tell them that you support the. I believe it's called the. Well, tell them you heard
0: about this on everything. All everything at once, and that they said you should give us this two stacks to keep my family clothed and fed and a roof over our heads. Right.
1: And I guess, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff in there to help, like, small businesses and stuff like that. But obviously, the thing that most people are focused on is, like, the $2,000 checks. So, I mean, it's not just $2,000 checks. There's a lot of other stuff that he's proposing. But, you know, if more people were aware of it, like, public pressure goes a long way if there's a lot of it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, hopefully that's something that we can help bring attention to in our local area
0: yeah and our state area right internationally across the globe maybe
1: someday across the whole universe
0: across the whole universe our interplanetary goals right must be achieved
1: we're gonna take over
0: we're taking over so watch out
1: everyone's so aware
0: so aware they're just gonna know all the stuff right that we know
1: and they're gonna speak up about it
0: we'll be the parents of a new revolution here it's gonna be great it's gonna be great um, so what else is going on in the world, Selinda? I know we talked about a few different things.
1: Um, well, I mean, if we're gonna just like stay on the topic of local stuff, um there was the 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 stabbing that happened in Chautauqua on Friday. um, uh, this was wild. Yeah, so there is um, it was at the Chautauqua Institute. And there's that's a
0: pretty muckety muck place to go. Right. Playing, it's very doing anything.
1: And like it was a a talk about authors and like artists who have been oppressed, basically. Um and the gentleman who is speaking, his name is Salman Rushdie. He is a, a you know, a pretty well known author. He's been publishing books since the mid eighties. Um And in 1989, the Ayatollah Khomeini in Iran actually basically put out, it's called a fatwa, but um, put out a hit on this author for a particular book that he had published called The Satanic Verses. And um, basically, that's just never been rescinded. And he did have to go into the UK's version of witness protection in the 90s because of this. He has gone through a lot in his life because of this fatwa and this book that he's written. Um,
0: The book's called The Satanic Verses. Yeah,
1: The Satanic Verses. And so, you know, obviously he has kind of come back into public life over the past decade or so. And... He was in Chautauqua to just give a talk, um, you know, about his life, about being a creator who was, like, oppressed. And uh, a gentleman came and, like, got on the stage.
0: Which police were at, too. There were, This was, like, not—there was, like, security there and whatnot. There were police,
1: but I, what I from what I read, there were just, like, two police officers at the front of the stage.
0: Right, and this guy just makes it through— Right through there and then stabs the guy 18 times. Right. so One in the neck.
1: His name was Hadi Matar. He's 24 years old from Fairview, New Jersey. Um, he came up to the stage. He traveled a long
0: way to get to stab this dude.
1: Right. He um, started punching him and then he actually stabbed him 10 to 15 times. With
0: the police at the front of the stage, just
1: right. And I guess you know it all happened very quickly. From reading some um, eyewitness accounts, it it all had because at first, like the one um, statement that I read from somebody who was there, they thought they kind of thought it was like a like a play acting thing to show, like while he's still like people are still after him today after this book that he wrote in 1989. Then they were like, it became apparent very quickly that this was not the case. Because he, at first, he just came up and was kind of just, like, punching him. Um, And so he did stab him. I guess he had uh, liver damage. He's probably going to lose one of his eyes. Oh,
0: stabbed him in the face. Yeah. In the
1: eye. In the eye. And um, he did have to... His wounds were described as serious but recoverable. Mm-hmm. So um, the they were able to basically like pin the attacker down um, at the event. He didn't get away or anything. They lifelighted Salman Rushdie to Hammett here in Erie, um, and he obviously had to go undergo emergency surgery, and he was on a ventilator, um, and I just was just kind of keeping up with the story just today he was off the ventilator um his son came into town to see him and said that his dad is uh awake and he is talking like he's still recovering he's certainly hurt very badly but he is going to be okay but it's pretty it's just pretty crazy that this book that he wrote in 1989 like
0: 32 years ago right
1: and like the the person who attacked him was born 10 years after this book was even published oh my god so
0: and he traveled all the way from new jersey that's like dedication that's like a six seven hour drive probably right from new jersey up to stab this dude at the Chautauqua Institute over a book that he wrote 32, right. 33 years and ago. And, I mean,
1: I guess we are assuming that it is over the Satanic Versus thing. It's not like he put out a statement or something There's saying, a manifesto somewhere. Right. There's not... Listeners, go find it. Go find
0: it. That's your job. Put it on the Discord Hadi for Mattar. us, please.
1: But, um, I mean, so I feel like it's probably... An understandable assumption to make um but it is an assumption nonetheless right.
0: and this isn't the first time that people have been hurt over this guy's stuff too
1: right yeah um
0: there were some past assassination attempts from like different interpreters and publishers well assassination attempts on interpreters because this uh book's been published in a bunch of different languages and assassination attempts on publishers and like this guy just really i i really want to read this book now because it clearly pissed off like a lot of uh people and uh the ayatollah is just like a not a good group um that's based out of iran and i guess
1: well the ayatollah is actually one person okay the ayatollah is like the president of iran okay um and so the gentleman who actually um, issued this fatwa in 1989, he's dead now. But the new Ayatollah has never done anything to rescind this fatwa. So um, it's it's still active. You right. know what I mean? So, the yeah, Ayatollah is just one, one That's guy. That's like what
0: you would call the king?
1: Basically, yeah. He's there since it's... Uh, um, I can't think of Authoritarian the word right now.
0: Dictatorship. Well, like
1: it's it's a country that's ruled by uh, a religion, so right. he's like their head, like he's the, like the pope, pope and the president
0: combined, all in one into Iran.
1: And you know, so he is like he's the supreme leader over religious and political issues in Iran.
0: Mm-hmm. Good for him. Yeah, he's doing a good job
1: and i mean like you said i was trying to find like the exact information that i was reading before but um there have been at least 45 people killed over the years in riots related um, to this book related to this book there was a uh, a translator i believe it was a japanese translator who was killed Um, because he was the person who translated this book into Japanese. There have been other multiple um, attacks on other translators. And um, the publisher, one of the publishers in Norway, there was an attempt on his life over the years. So, I mean, people in the Islamic community clearly feel very strongly about this book.
0: J.K. Rowling said something about it, too. She feels strongly.
1: She doesn't even feel strong. All she said was, it's horrible what happened to Salman Rushdie. I hope he's okay. On Twitter. And she got a death threat. Um, That just happened today, I believe.
0: That's wild.
1: So, I mean, you Twitter doesn't
0: like J.K. Rowling at all, though.
1: No, but I think it has more to do with the fact that she was wishing Salman Rushdie well. Yeah? You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, the person... Um... I mean, I, I don't want to like, I don't want to stereotype. It was just like the name of the person who did the death threat sounded like a Middle Eastern type name. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm assuming that has something to do with
0: the whole set, why the book. people want to kill him and stuff right. like that. Yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense.
1: And, I mean, so I was... Do you think
0: we'll get death threats because of this? Uh, no. Okay, good. Not yet. Not yet. I don't
1: think there's enough people listening. I think yeah. you
0: underestimate the strength and power of our message, Selinda.
1: <laughs> Maybe. Maybe if we, like, hashtag Salman Rushdie on this. Yeah? If you like, think that's a good dis- idea? Are you ready to handle
0: death threats over the show, though?
1: Um, You know, it's it's fine. It's part
0: of being an investigative journalist. Right. So, right. You know, par for the course, I guess.
1: Yeah, exactly. I I have always enjoyed the quote that, I would rather die on my feet than live on my knees. Yeah. So
0: who said it? I
1: don't remember. Oh no!
0: I put you on the spot. I'm sorry.
1: I want to. I I really have to look it up. I want to say it was Fidel Castro. To be honest with you.
0: Oh man, that's awesome! I'm glad we're quoting Fidel Castro (laughs) on this show, on the first political episode. It's a good
1: quote. It's a good quote.
0: Maybe some people appreciate what Fidel Castro is doing for Cuba.
1: Maybe. I mean, there are people out there that would argue that he's done a lot, especially, like, with the sanctions and, like, the isolation that that country has gone under. I don't know enough about it other than, like, the pervasive U.S. narrative, which I am inherently not going to trust. Yeah. Um. To say, I know that like Cuba itself has a very excellent medical system. They put out very competent doctors. Like there are clearly some signs that like whatever they have going on, it's not like some horrible like prison camp island. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but I don't I don't know enough about it myself right. to to really speak at length on it. But. Um, I do know that pretty much any country that the United States is like, wow, they are so awful, I am suspicious of.
0: What about Iran?
1: Um, well, <laughs> Or I, North Korea? Iran in particular, um, the reason that it's so fucked up is because of the United States. We instituted a coup in the 50s, Um, and installed a U.S. government puppet to be in charge of their country and basically pushed it into financial ruin. And there were a group of—and then people were miserable.
0: So it sounds like Colombia of the Middle East or Venezuela.
1: And so people got pissed, and they instituted their own revolution, which installed the Ayatollah. But that would have never happened if the United States wouldn't have decided because the Iran in the 50s was thinking about nationalizing their um, their oil supplies and some of their like public utilities and things like that. They were going to nationalize it so private companies couldn't own it and profit off of it. There wouldn't be private companies profiting off their oil. It would be the country and the people profiting off their oil. And the United States certainly could not stand for that. So we don't
0: coo- fuck with our oil.
1: We cooed them and installed a horrible U- United States puppet, which then instigated this revolution that installed the the Ayatollah in the in the 80s. So I mean, the reason that they are in the situation that they're in now and the form of government they're in now is because of us. Because they were actually quite progressive.
0: You mean we didn't export freedom to them?
1: We did not. And that's the thing. Like Anytime I hear a U.S. politician is like, we are going to... We're here for democracy in this country. Free these people. Like Nancy Pelosi was saying that when she was in Taiwan recently. I just saw some clips of her speech while she was there. And she's like, We are committed to democracy in Taiwan. And I'm like, Who are we trying to coup now? What are we doing? Like, what?
0: That whole thing is such a fucking mess.
1: It is a mess. And I I would like to speak on that more when I have more information on it. I just don't really know
0: so I'll, I'll speak on it and okay. I don't I don't know very much at all <laughs> okay. but from, from what what I've seen so before she went to Taiwan and before this chips bill passed which it's passed now um, Nancy Pelosi bought like tons of nvidia stock which is a chip manufacturer well her
1: husband did her husband Not did yeah her.
0: that way she doesn't have to like formally disclose it as a, a sitting government official or whatever a congressman whatever the fuck she is speaker of the house so that would make her a congresswoman
1: she she's in the uh in the house yes. Yeah.
0: so she knew this bill was gonna pass and everybody was excited about it and she's like how can i profit off this and she had her husband buy all these stocks and now she's going out there to, it's a United States owned company, but it does a lot of manufacturing in Asia. And she went out there, in my opinion, I base this off nothing other than my own thoughts and beliefs, goes out there to shake hands and kiss babies and kiss the ring of all these different chip manufacturers in Taiwan and in South Western Asia to make sure that they're on board with making all these chips that they need with these new bills and getting those stock prices real high so she can make a ton of money. And uh, it doesn't really appear to me like I haven't seen any sort of good reason why she's out there um, other than like this reason that I'm kind of manufacturing for her to go out there to do.
1: I mean, and we do have to point out that they he did sell this stock right before the bill passed. Yeah. Do you think
0: it was because of the the pushback?
1: I think it probably was because of the pushback. But like I I think that my personal opinion from like the little knowledge that I have is a little bit different than yours. Um, I think that the United States is trying to instigate China um, even more because if. They are able to because this chips bill is only for United States
0: chip, chip
1: manufacturers. So, Taiwan is a big manufacturer of chips. If we are able to shut down their exports because China is trying to invade and or mm. attack them. Yes. Um, these United States chips manufacturers that do manufacture in Taiwan and overseas are going to be even more incentivized to come back to the United States and use this money in this chips bill to manufacture in the United States because they can actually export from the United States because there's not a... A war going on that's stopping their exports like what's happening in ukraine you know what i mean a lot of the there's a lot of food and oil and stuff that's being held up in ukraine right now because of russia invading and i think that that would be useful to united states companies if it happened to taiwan yeah and nancy pelosi just going there (laughs) as a big <laughs> Out of the blue,
0: kind of, just like, oh, I'm going to Taiwan. And now.
1: China did institute its first live fire drills right on the border of Taiwan. It's the first time they've done that in like 20 years or something. Right. So, I mean, I think that they're just trying to instigate some shit with China in order to benefit United States manufacturers more.
0: That could be it. Could be it. I don't think, I feel like it's all show though. I feel like ninety percent of the Chinese being pissed off and Taiwan being whatevered is just like show, like responding to each other. Like China has to act big and bad because they don't want U.S. intervention in Taiwan, so now they have to, you know, put on this uh, display of power, whatever you want to call it, to kind of save face to their people because like they're very authoritarian place where you have to um, where everything is very controlled and very censored and the government has to um, appear in a certain light to people.
1: That's any government though. Right. I mean, they they do have to really take into consideration how they look to their people and how they look to other governments. I mean, I, I feel like that's any government and just the way that China responds to certain provocations might be different than how, A country like the United States might respond because of their, you know, their different structure. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I would say that a lot of these actions are in some way for show. But I don't. I think that the United States trying to provoke China is probably pretty real. Yeah, because China makes sense.
0: It lines up. It it makes it. If it makes dollars, it makes sense.
1: Right. And I mean, China is a big competitor of the United States as far as like taking over who is number one globally. Mm-hmm. That's a really big threat to the United States in general. Um, and I don't think that the United obviously the United States doesn't want that to happen. The government doesn't. And I'm sure the people don't either. Um, and so they're going to try and do anything they can to try and prolong that from happening because I feel like at this point, um, it's probably inevitable
0: that chi- China, invades Taiwan.
1: No, that, uh, China's probably going to take over as like the number one country. Just superpower. Yeah. Like the, leader the, no- of the, free the world. number one superpower. Um, just because we are on the decline Economically, like over time, and China is on the incline. Like mm-hmm. that's just true. And the only reason that like the United States is able to stay afloat is is because of some like overarching economic implications as far as like the United States dollar being used as a reserve currency around the world and things like that. Um, and there are just a very few things that are keeping this country holding on to power. And if any of those things are taken out of place, we could very quickly and easily, like our money would lose all of its value and this country would fall into ruins. And I mean, I know it seems like crazy impossible, but there's, there's nowhere it's written that the United States empire is going to last forever. Right. Um, and I think that we're kind of just watching the decline of it. I don't know that it would happen in in my lifetime, maybe towards the end of it, but I do think that it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. If things don't change radically, which, you know, who knows? Who knows if that would happen? That's hard. That's something that's very hard to predict. Do you
0: think that uh, people are looking for a good war? Do you know what I mean when I say a good war? No. So, like, World War Two, would have been, like, what you would call a good war because it kind of brought the United States out of the depression um like the great depression and manufacturing went up and everybody um had to get jobs and the new deal and everybody was going over to war in world war Two, and kind of really just pulled our nation out of um you know a really bad place and then kind of set it up for this idyllic um nuclear family situation post world war Two.
1: i think that the united states government is looking for that i think that that was what the big deal about like You know, everybody was so freaking up in arms about Ukraine for, like, a couple of weeks. And, like, I know you remember me being like, this is absolute bullshit. Like, it it pissed me off to see all these idiots with these Ukrainian flags all over the place. And it's like, you don't hear people saying shit about that now. And it's still actively happening russia and ukraine are still actively at war why isn't it constantly on the news and people are terrified that russia's gonna bomb us and invade the united states and it's just like the plans that like the united states had to try and provoke a world war three failed there because they weren't able to get backed from the rest of the nato countries to kind of like help ukraine so we are just kind of helping them on our own but that doesn't obviously fit with the narrative of a good war we need all of nato to be on board with this so that's why i think the the provocation with taiwan makes sense because that it's just their next move it's their next move to try and create another world war um so, you know, I guess we'll see how that we'll goes. We'll see what how happens, that plan right? Works out. It's
0: an exciting future we have. All yeah. these all these wonderful wars and the chip shortage and supply chain issues and all of these things um just make it for a fun future. Yeah. And I'm I'm a little bit more hesitant towards saying that any of it even really matters at all. I feel like going back to that grassroots level, very little of this will ever have any sort of effect on me personally as a human being.
1: Right. And, and I get that. That's where it just more comes into like, I just have like a personal, uh, like feeling. I feel like I'm personally obligated to just be aware. I want to be aware of what's going on in the world. Like we are all members of earth and like the United States is not the only country in the world. And I think that it would benefit all of us greatly to, have a more global understanding of everything that's happening, right. We are only one planet, you know what I mean, And people For are so now. concerned about like what's going on in the United States, or some people in the United States aren't even concerned about what's going on in the United States. <laughs> right? So I think, and
0: hey you guys that aren't concerned. right. We're here. Listen to the show and we'll teach you things so you can be concerned. right.
1: You should be concerned. There's a lot of bullshit. Going on there's a lot of right bullshit now. out there but i mean i just i feel like there, there's a whole earth out there and like things that happen in this country can affect what's going on in other parts of the world things that are going on in other parts of the world can affect this country yeah um to have a more complete understanding of, of what's happening you need to make yourself aware of what's like going the, on around the world
0: i think the other parts of the world have a good idea of what's going on in oh the- yeah the United States. Yeah,
1: that's the thing. People do know what's going on in the United States because other countries actually pay attention to, you know, what's going on in the rest of the world, unlike the United States.
0: Right, and we see that. And uh, they must laugh at us a lot, especially with, like, these recent things, these war crimes that we're committing on local soil.
1: I'm sure they are. I'm sure they're probably more getting more concerned, honestly, than anything right, else. Right, it's not going well. It is not going well. White supremacists are running wild. There's
0: forced birth.
1: There's forced birth. They're using religion to take away our rights. So, you know, I feel like people are probably getting more concerned by the day rather than laughing. I'm sure they've been laughing for a while, but now it's probably like, okay, this is a little concerning. Yeah.
0: You know, you you kind of laugh at that crazy friend for a little bit, and then they start getting real, real crazy, and then you're like, oh, maybe...
1: Maybe they need help. Maybe
0: our boys need help out there. Right,
1: right. Well, and I think it's probably more concerning to them as well because we are the world's superpower. We're supposed to be the world's police. And, like, look at what's happening in our country. Like, we are all over the fucking world. We have more military bases around the world than the next 10 countries combined. You it's know a lot. yeah so i mean all of them
0: need to be concerned that they might get some freedom exported their way
1: right so that's why they should be more concerned because we are up in everybody's business yeah yeah okay yeah.
0: people are taking away rights at like a very personal level
1: right yeah i mean me personally i feel very affected by the Supreme Court ruling, um, obviously with Roe v. Wade, but I don't think that they're going to to stop there. Um, I think anybody who isn't concerned about that uh, is not seeing the bigger picture there. What? Because really, like the the basis of Roe v. Wade was like a woman's right to privacy, um, and they are they're overruling that and saying well, a woman does not have a right to privacy to her own body and that can be extended to anybody in anything you know gay marriage and interracial marriage um whether the police can come and search your house and it just it it touches so many different groups right in issues
0: so we have some friends that are about to be having a baby soon and i remember a very distinct conversation with the father where we were talking about these kinds of things and how um, he was very happy that he was having a boy right now instead of a, a daughter
1: right i yeah yeah i would definitely if i would be feeling the same way if i was them you know what i mean which is is terrible because I have another friend who is having a baby girl. And I'm like, I would be scared shitless if I were you. You know, I just can't even imagine, like, trying to to bring, first of all, bring a baby in the world, but to bring a baby girl in this world when, like, we are being treated more and more like property and less like humans every single day.
0: Right. Women have become a second-class citizen that's not allowed to get medical treatment that they need to... Uh survive and I think that's very concerning
1: and it's not even that we've become that it's like we've been pushed back down into that we've we as a gender have fought for a long time to be treated equally I mean the the right to vote for women I think was just instated in like 1916 so I mean just a little bit over a hundred years women have been able to vote. vote right and now like we're already back to taking away our rights to to bodily autonomy so it's a scary time it's a scary time to be a woman it seemed like maybe it was getting a little better there for like a little bit with like me too and like women feeling more open to you know, come out and speak their truth about what has happened to them in their lives because for so long, and even still now, honestly, um, it's just like you're not going to be believed or you gaslight yourself into thinking that it was your fault. Right. um, When none of that is true. But like there are, I can completely understand women who are too afraid to come out and speak because they're like, well, nobody's going to believe me. Mm -hmm. which is is heartbreaking but it's the truth and now if that woman gets pregnant in that encounter she has to keep that baby
0: right in a lot of places she does yeah um and it seems to be like more places gradually are trying to become that way as well um there was a vote recently in kansas kentucky
1: um in kansas where it was like 60 percent of people voted to
0: 70 i believe
1: something like that 60 70 percent voted to keep uh, women keep abortion legal basically right so i mean there is hope it's just that unfortunately there has been a very deliberate process over the last i mean certainly over the last 20 years there's been a very concerted effort to get conservative christians into seats of power and it has been very slow and very meticulous and very quiet but the culmination of that is what we're seeing right now Mm -hmm. so
0: and these are the same type of people these uh christian conservatives that want to take away you know gay people's rights to get married and things of that nature because it doesn't follow their ideological beliefs that they feel everybody should follow right and uh it's really just not not a good place um and there's other people that are really struggling right now too that aren't getting the the care and attention that they need um medically and this uh this there was a bunch of drama about this recent bill for the veterans that were hurt by the burn pits
1: right yeah in iraq and afghanistan um there were a lot of so i mean the u.s military just wastes millions millions and millions and millions of dollars um if they don't spend the money that congress gives them then congress has to give them less money the next time they allocate money to them so they just do anything they can to spend all the money they get because they actually don't need that much um and they would just buy random stuff and then it would get shipped to these countries and they would—they don't have any use for it. They don't have anywhere to put it. So they would just burn it. Um, I just, you know, listening to particular stories like printers, computers, phones, furniture, anything and everything that you can think of. Um, they were just setting fire to it in these massive burn pits and a lot of these soldiers that were tasked with patrolling these areas got extremely sick because a lot of this stuff is not something you're supposed to set fire to, let alone set fire to these items day after day after day, and you're just inhaling that smoke, and it's, it's you know, done a lot of irreparable medical damage to a lot of these troops, and they were having a very hard time getting any medical treatment for it, um, and they did finally just pass a bill
0: There was a lot of controversy about passing this bill. It seemed like for a little bit it wasn't going to pass because there was some sort of spat between Republicans and Democrats and who gets what W and how they trade um, different victories and different bills and stuff today.
1: I mean, it's all about optics. They they don't really give a shit about the veterans or anything like that. So I think it just really came down to – public pressure um to even pass the bill you know these families of veterans and things like that uh people like that i mean really started to put pressure on these congress people and along with you know some people that have larger platforms and you said you saw john stewart speaking out on this issue and um yeah he looked
0: ragged as fuck he's in like a white t-shirt and jeans and he's like crying talking about how he's used to This kind of treatment and this type of stuff that goes on in our government and how it was so unacceptable for them to be treating like he it was okay for him to be treated like that but it was completely unacceptable for these veterans to be treated like that these people that were put in harm's way and uh manipulated and and used and then discarded once uh things became uh you know Once the line became blurry or however you want to look at it. I mean,
1: once they became, like, costed the government any money and they weren't useful anymore, they weren't out there killing brown people and stealing oil anymore, why should they support them? That's how the government views it. I mean, they're useless to them at that point.
0: Right. And they're costing a lot of people a lot of things and taking up space and uh, just generally not a priority like they should be. Right. And uh, it's uh, it's very sad and unfortunate to see people treated like that and to see that, you know, there's so many times where there's like criteria or stipulations to some to to getting the the treatment that people need. And a lot of times those that criteria can be manipulated or withheld or whatever the situation may be that keeps people from getting the help that they need.
1: Well, the VA system in particular is very, like, convoluted and full of bureaucracy. Um, a lot of the issues that these veterans in particular were running into was that the burden of proof to show that they were that the injuries that they have were caused by these burn pits were they the burden of proof fell on the soldiers themselves they had to be able to prove that like with documents and stuff that they were patrolling you know these burn pits at these times and and then have those documents approved by their superior officers for a long time these burn pits weren't even something that the u.s military was admitting that was happening yeah so i mean that was a big step to even get them to admit that and then to get them to admit like okay well you know, soldier John Smith was in charge of standing outside that burn pit to make sure that nobody went in there or that nobody, you know, did whatever. Um, Because then they are saying that they had our soldiers in harm's way there. So, I mean, getting them to admit that certain people were there doing that becomes very difficult as well. So and they needed to have paperwork saying this right to even get approved for financial assistance or for to see the doctors that they needed. So I mean this bill has taken that away. They they no longer have to prove that. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that in and of itself will be very helpful to a lot of these people because a lot of the stuff that soldiers do overseas is not documented you know what i mean and if they get injured during that the va can come back and say well there's no proof that this happened Mm -hmm. while you were over there so sorry about your luck that sucks to be you i guess
0: yeah it's a it's a huge bummer and it's a total abuse of power you know complete manipulation of a situation uh to keep these people that need medical attention and were promised medical attention away from getting that attention that they need Well, Celinda, it's been real cool.
1: It's been lovely. It's
0: been a fun podcast, reaching out to our interplanetary and international statewide across the universe audience here today to talk a little bit about what's going on. I'm looking forward to doing lots more podcasts with you, more podcasts about the current events and what's going on in the world, as well as some other just like fun, goofy podcasts with you. Um... In the future, I hope everybody enjoys you and supports and anybody that has any questions or comments should hit us up on the Discord or hit up Celinda or hit up myself on Facebook or however you want to get in contact with us. Um,
1: If you have any specific issues you want to be heard talked about or any particular politicians in the area you'd like to learn about, definitely... Send us us a message somehow and we'd love to look into it.
0: We would. And we also want to do live stream stuff in the future where we can have more of a conversation and get you guys a little bit more involved in these types of topics Um, because we're just two people and we see things from our perspective and we want to hear things from uh, your guys' perspective as well. Yeah. So uh, keep coming back. Um, Everything at once. Over and out.
1: Peace. Peace. Bye.